Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's message. Our hope with this content is that it would help you come to know Jesus, follow Jesus, and lead others to do the same. If you're grateful for this word, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to our channel, and also you can partner with what Jesus is doing here at Elevate City through giving. There's a link below for that as well. Here's today's message. I can't wait for you to hear it. Man, if you're new, I wanna welcome you. Uh, whether you're in person or tuning in online, my name is Joey McLaughlin and I just wanna get something out of the way really quick. If um, throughout this morning you look up and my face looks really red and you think I'm like angry, I want for you to know I'm not angry, I'm just Irish, okay? And uh, I got sunburned this week and so that's why my face is red. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, but if you are new, uh, we are continuing in a collection of talks today titled Jesus People. Let me hear you say Jesus People. And um, the whole idea of this series is um, that we wanna investigate what it really means to be a disciple. This is a series about our culture, our DNA, what makes this place unique. And I really believe that God is going to use these messages in a massive way. If you've missed a week, go back and watch online because this is so informing and shaping who we are and where we're going as a church. And I just deeply believe that this fall that God has exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more in store for this house than we could ever ask or imagine. And like, I don't even know what that looks like yet, but I believe it. And uh, so we wanna prepare for it by looking at these values, looking at this culture of who we are as a church. And I think it's gonna shape the way you see church. I think it's gonna reshape the way you see life. And I believe that as we get to this fall, man, that God is going to fling the gate wide open on Elevate City in an unprecedented way. Anybody loving this series so far? Loving this Jesus People collection, shaping the way you see church? Come on. Well, I wanna start today by asking you a question that I haven't been able to shake this week. It's a really intriguing question. Do you live like you're on the front side or the back side of the resurrection? Do you live like you are a pre-resurrection Jesus person or a post-resurrection Jesus person? Does the content of your conversations, does the boldness with which you speak with, does the way that you stand up, does it remind you of the disciples on Friday or the disciples on Sunday and the days that would soon follow? Let's take a look. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you study the story of Jesus, you will see that during the middle of the night arrest, during Jesus' middle of the night arrest in the garden of Gethsemane, all of his disciples abandoned him. Matthew chapter 26, verse 56 says it like this, then all of the disciples deserted him and fled. In fear, they ran for their lives. That night during Jesus' trial, no one speaks up for Jesus. There's no witness that takes a stand. The script is silent on his followers saying anything. It's actually recorded that Jesus' chief disciple, Peter, actually denies Jesus to a teenage girl. We see it happen in Luke 23, verse, uh, Luke 22, verse 56. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man was also with him, but he denied it saying, woman, I do not know him. As Jesus was being executed and crucified, everyone just stood by and watched. 
Luke 23, verse 49, but all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Following Jesus' execution, the intensity of their fear grows larger and larger. We see it in John 20, 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. It goes from, I won't say anything, I won't speak up, I won't step in, I'm gonna sit back and watch, I'm going to deny him, to borderline paranoia, I don't even know him, and I'm afraid that something's gonna happen to me. We see that the disciples following Jesus' execution have locked themselves inside the doors, they have barricaded the door, they have hunkered down, and they're in fear for their lives. But then something changes. Now, I look at the, the front side of that, and. It can't help but remind me and make me feel like what Christianity feels like in 2022. Silent, subdued, quiet, passive. But then something changes. Following Jesus' resurrection in Acts 1-8, Jesus makes a promise to his people that changes everything. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my, give me that word, witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And in Acts chapter two, church, the spirit of Jesus shows up and everything starts to change. The DNA of a disciple gets rewritten. Faith gives way or fear gives way to faith. And these men and women start to bleed boldness. They start to bleed boldness. And this is one of our culture statements that as Jesus people, we are called to bleed boldness. If theologians were to pick a singular word to describe the personality of the post-resurrection Jesus people, the early church, it would undoubtedly be boldness. Over and over again, all throughout the book of Acts, we see that the believers walk in boldness, that they are bold people living bold lives, showing bold love, demonstrating a bold faith. And it doesn't matter the situation or setting that they find themselves in. It's boldness in freedom, under pressure, in a crowd, on trial, boldness. When you cut them, they bleed boldness. Hey, when life cuts you, what do you bleed? When life cuts you, what comes out? What is the natural response? What is your DNA? What is your disposition? Who are you in this world that we live in? Are you bleeding boldness? What side of the resurrection do you act like you live on? Subdued in fear on Friday or bold in faith on Sunday? Jesus, people, we are called to walk in boldness. Here's my big idea for the day that the resurrection of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus demands that Jesus' people bleed boldness. Come on, the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that our God is not dead, that the grave is empty, that sin has been defeated, demands that we live in boldness. And the fact that we have not been left in isolation or paralyzation, but that we've been gifted the spirit of Jesus to empower us, demands that we live in boldness. We've got God living on our insides. What do we have to be afraid of? All throughout the pages of the New Testament, we see these people walking in boldness. But if I'm honest, and maybe it's just me, I look around at modern day Christianity and I just wonder, where have all the bold Jesus people gone? 
Where have they gone? Where are the people who are boldly taking a stand for Christ? Where are the people who are boldly holding fast to the scriptures? Where are the people who are bleeding boldness and leaving transformation everywhere that they go? I don't know about you, but do you ever look in the mirror as you begin to grow up and just ask yourself the question, like, what happened to me? And not like, oh, wow, like, I got some wrinkles on my face and the color of my hair has changed. But, like, where did my faith go? Where did the grit go? Where did the defiance go? Where did the boldness go? Where did the belief go? Where did this heart to change the world go? Where did the dreams go? Where did the joy go? Do you ever look in the mirror and just go, what happened to me? I look around and I listen to Christians in in 2022, far too many of them are living on life support. Far too many of them are pushed into a corner and subdued. And I just believe that there are some, that it is time for some people to begin to make bold moves for the person of Jesus. I find it so interesting that as we study the scriptures that we see that Jesus' disciples were told to go to Jerusalem and wait on the spirit that they didn't have and we disregard the spirit we do. They were told to wait on the spirit that they didn't yet have that was coming, that was gonna change everything about them. And we've got that spirit, the Holy Spirit living inside of us today and we disregard it. They had to wait for it. Dare I say we waste it. We've got this power to change the world. We've got this message that changes everything and we're just keeping it to ourselves. We're just playing it safe. We're just going through the motions and I just believe that it is time for us to live like the Jesus people of Acts did that once the spirit showed up, the early church were marked in bleeding boldness. They start to make these power moves. How many of you know about power moves? Y'all know what a power move is? Okay, like two people. So I'm gonna tell you, On Urban Dictionary, this is the definition of a power move, okay? A power move are things that you can do in everyday life that give you the air of authority and the edge over over other people. I'm gonna read it again. A power move is things you can do in everyday life that give you the air of authority and the edge over other people. I looked on the uh, interwebs and I found some uh, power moves that I thought were funny this week. I'd like to read them for you at this time. The first one is this, uh, when a guest arrives at your door, ask them to remove their shoes before they walk in, but keep yours on. (laughs) Power move. When my wife gets mad at me, I like to go into the fridge and pantry and tie in the lids to all the jars and bottles, and then she has to talk to me at some point. Power move. When introducing a friend, I like to make finger quotations in the air when introducing their job title. This is Jennifer. She's a brain surgeon. Power move. When my boss asks what I want for lunch, I say, your job. Power move. (laughs) You know, the great thing about being a preacher is even when I talk to myself, people listen. Power move. (laughs) There's this uh, story It's a great story about the old theologian Martin Luther, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a great story nonetheless. And the story goes that one night Martin Luther was unable to sleep, and he was woke up in the middle of the night, and um, he looked at the foot of his bed, and he saw Satan sitting there. And he looked him square in the eyes, and he said, oh, it's just you, and then went back to sleep. Power move, right? 
That's a power move. And I just boldly believe that it is time for the people of God, for Jesus' people to begin to make some power moves today. For us to stop living on life support and for us to step out in boldness and live like we have been recreated as the resurrected people of God. Like we've got his blood flowing through our veins, that we've got new DNA that causes us to be bold disciples. I want for you to see the way that it happens in the book of Acts. All throughout this story, Jesus' people bleed boldness. Like I want to show you today how the first Jesus' people did it. And I want for you to know you ain't ready. Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says it like this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus when they saw the boldness. You see, boldness is faith made visible. That's what boldness is. Boldness is faith in action. And notice that boldness is not reserved for special forces Christians. It's for the everyday revolutionary who is called a Jesus person. Like, I, I love that it says that Peter and John were uneducated common men. Translation, they went to public school, okay? Like, they were common men. There was nothing special or unique about them. They were ordinary, average people, meaning boldness is not born out of what you know. Come on, church. Boldness is born out of who you know. That is what causes you to be bold because you know the God of the universe, we oftentimes think that we don't know enough Bible or we don't know enough theology or we don't have enough of the right answers to take a bold stand for Jesus and to speak boldly about this God who saved us. But I'm here to tell you today that if you know Jesus, you know enough. If you know Jesus, you know enough and just begin to speak boldly about this person who you believe deeply in. I love to note that the crowds recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. You see, being G with Jesus, it changes you on the inside. I, I want to correct the misconception today that boldness is a personality type. Boldness is not a personality type. Boldness is a byproduct of who you spend time with. Boldness is not just a wiring. Boldness is not something that your mother gave you or your father gave you. It's something that Jesus gives you. And the more time that you spend with Jesus, the more bold you will become. Like, you see this in everyday life. Like, the people that you're with will affect how bold you are in whatever area they are an expert in. Example, if you give me Michael Jordan and LeBron James, and a Dr. J, and um, Kobe Bryant, all in their prime, okay? I will boldly play any of you in basketball, okay? Just come on, step up to the plate. If I'm with them, I will boldly play you. If you give me Muhammad Ali, and you give me Sugar Ray Leonard, and you give me Conor McGregor, and a couple of Navy SEALs, I'll even fight my wife, okay? Like, I will <laughs> boldly go toe-to-toe, all right, maybe not my wife, but anybody other than that, right? Because who you're with affects how bold you will become. And so I must believe that the reason that we are not boldly standing, boldly speaking, boldly living for Jesus is because we're not spending enough time with the one who makes us bold. You want boldness to go up? 
Have your time with Jesus go up. This is why for Jesus people, Sabbath matters. This is why for Jesus people, corporate worship matters. This is why for Jesus people, getting together on Sunday to hear the word of God and to lift high the name of God and to experience the spirit of God matters. This is why the secret place matters. This is why small group matters. This is why equipped groups matter because where two or more are gathered, Jesus is there also. And when you're with Jesus, boldness multiplies. This is how Jesus' people live. This is where we draw our power from. We draw it from being with Jesus. They were with Jesus, and that's where their boldness came from. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Let me give you some context. They're being threatened. They're being persecuted. There is a large contingency of Jewish rulers who are trying to shut down this new movement. The establishment doesn't like the new way that things are being done. And so they're trying to squash it. They're trying to push it out. And so um, there is this propensity in the believer to be afraid, to be timid, to shrink back. And what you would think is that as they pray, as they approach the throne of grace, that they would approach it and that they would ask for success, but that's not what they ask for. Notice the contents of Jesus' people prayer life. The contents of their prayer is not for safety or for security or that things would go according to plan. It's for God to give them boldness. We've been praying the wrong prayers, Jesus people. We've been praying that the right person would get into office and that the right law would be passed and that Satan would be defeated. None of that should be the contents of our prayer. It should be for boldness in the midst of the difficulty. We gotta change how we pray. God, make me bold today. How often are you praying for boldness? How many meetings are you walking into and going, oh man, God, I just hope that this goes according to plan and I hope that it all goes right. No, start praying for boldness, boldness in that relationship, boldness with that boss, boldness with that neighbor, boldness with that spouse. Pray for boldness. So often we're just like, God, I just pray that everything would go according to plan and we wouldn't have any technical difficulties today and everything would be nice. And No, pray for boldness. The contents of our prayer should be, God, give me boldness because I know I can't conjure it up myself. I know I don't have the strength to make it happen. I need your spirit to pour it out on me and give me more boldness. I also want for you to notice that boldness is audible. Do you see that? Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Boldness is audible. It's not something that you just see with your eyes. It's something that you hear with your ears. Like you're going to see this repeatedly throughout the book of Acts, that boldness is something that involves speaking. Modern day Christianity wants to tell you to boldly be nice. Biblical Christianity demands we boldly speak up. We must boldly speak. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Don't miss this. Boldness is a group activity. Boldness is a group activity. When they prayed, the place they were gathered, they were filled, and they continued to speak with all boldness. You need to find someone who's got a level of boldness in their life that makes you a little uncomfy, okay? 
Like you need to get around somebody with boldness that intimidates you, with faith that inspires you. It changed my life when I got a mentor and I got somebody to disciple me and I embraced that maybe I don't have this life thing figured out. Maybe I don't have all the answers to all of life's questions. Maybe there's part of my sanctification that I can't deal with on my own. Maybe there's ways that Jesus wants to grow me up in the Lord that I need somebody else for. And so I got a mentor. I got somebody who started to disciple me. And this person, his name's Ryan. He is so bold with talking about Jesus that even as a pastor, it makes me a little uncomfy, okay? Like he'll just do it anytime and all the time. I don't even think he necessarily uses the best tactics, but he just does it. Like we'll be at Subway and they'll be like, what kind of bread do you want? And I'll be like, I want the five grain with the cheese. Can you toast it? Can you put some like olive oil up on that? And they'll ask Ryan, what kind of bread do you want? And then he'll be like, I'll take the white bread, but do you know about the bread of life named Jesus? bro, that's really awkward and uncomfortable and I don't like that. But he's so bold, he's so out there, he's so demonstrative in wanting to tell people about Jesus that it pushes me, that it inspires me and boldness is a group activity. You see, comfort conditions comfort, but boldness begets boldness. You surround yourself with people who are comfortable and who are just comfortable with their way of doing things and comfortable with their way of life and comfortable with their way of Christianity, then you will continue to live in that lane. But you surround yourself with people who are bold and people who are growing and people who are taking new steps and braving new adventures, then you will begin to change. And you'll see boldness start to be unlocked on the inside because it is a group activity. I also want for you to notice here that God fills you with his spirit and his spirit fills you with boldness. God fills you with his spirit and his spirit fills you with boldness. Boldness isn't something you conjure up. It's something you depend upon the spirit to provide. Acts chapter nine, verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Now, let me tell you the story that's happening here is Saul who persecuted Christians was trying to shut the movement down, saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was blinded by it, knocked off his horse. Everything changed in an instant because he realized that Jesus had resurrected from the grave and that Jesus he was persecuting he now needed to speak boldly about. And so he begins to speak boldly. And he begins to speak boldly about Jesus. Notice that Jesus' people aren't ambiguous with their boldness. Jesus' people aren't ambiguous with their boldness. Our boldness is from Jesus, because of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus. Jesus' people aren't just bold to be bold. We are bold for Jesus. There's a purpose to boldness. And that purpose is for people to see Jesus. And I know what some of you guys may be thinking. You may be going, well, I didn't see Jesus on the road to Damascus. I didn't see Jesus resurrect from the dead. I didn't see him rise from the grave. But haven't you seen him raise some things in your life? Haven't you seen him raise you from addiction? Haven't you seen him raise you from shame? Haven't you seen him raise you from condemnation? Haven't you seen him raise your level of living? Haven't you seen him raise your joy? Haven't you seen him raise your freedom? Haven't you seen him resurrect destiny? Be bold about that. Speak about the life change that you've seen him do in your life. We need some bold people boldly declaring that Jesus changes everything. Acts chapter 9, verse 28. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name 
of the Lord. For Jesus, people, boldness isn't a one-time event. It is everyday activity. Jesus, people, aren't just bold once. It's not a box we check. It's the blood running through our veins. We bleed boldness. He went in and out among them. We are bold in this conversation and that one too. We come into a conversation in boldness. We go out of a conversation in boldness. Boldness is our default position. It is not something that is just for special occasions. It is who we are flowing through our veins. Acts chapter 13, verse 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. A little context here. What's happening is the disciples are preaching and there starts to be this bold objection to what they're saying. People start to contradict the truth that they're proclaiming. And so what the disciples do is they boldly respond. They boldly respond. They step into the argument. I think this is really important today. I really, really do. That we can't just be bold with those who agree with us. We can't just preach things in venues like this that get a lot of amens and hand claps. We've got to step into the mess. Christians are called to stand and contend for truth. And not just in the context of relationship, but in the public sphere as well. However, Jesus' people know that sometimes the boldest thing you can do is to walk away dust off your feet, and move on to the next person. They know that sometimes the boldest thing that you can do is just to walk away. They know the difference between being bold and being obnoxious. I'm not up here contending today for more obnoxious Christians on Facebook. If you do that, tell people you go to North Point, okay? I'm just kidding. It's a great church, okay? Tell them you go somewhere else, anywhere else, all right? Because I don't want just obnoxious Christians for Jesus. I want bold, scripture-saturated, speaking the truth in love, Jesus people. It's what I'm looking for, for people who will speak to things, but they'll do it with boldness. You see, sometimes what we do is boldness often gets mistaken for color, like loud, boisterous, in your face. Boldness is less about color and it's more about courage. It's less about, it's, it's less about um, just trying to be noticed and it's more about realizing that I've got con convictions that I must live by. That's what boldness is. Acts chapter 14 though is gonna show us the balance to this. Acts chapter 14 verse three says this, so they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to do by their hands. Notice that they remained for a long time, the scripture says. Sometimes long boldness in the same direction is where we see the miraculous. Long boldness in the same direction is where we see the miraculous. I wanna contend today, I wanna inspire today, I wanna challenge today some of you to keep being bold. I know you're growing tired and I know you're growing weary and I know you feel like you've run out of words to say and I know you feel like the invitation is falling on deaf ears and I know it feels like maybe nobody is listening but just keep being bold. Slow and steady wins the race. Long boldness in the same direction is where the miraculous happens. Keep bringing it up in that conversation 
conversation. Keep extending that invitation. Keep inviting them to church. Leave the door open. Keep being bold because sometimes it's long boldness in the same direction. That's when we see the miraculous. Don't give up too soon. Don't sell boldness short. Acts chapter 18 verse 26 says this. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. This is such a cool story. Um, this text is talking about this guy named Apollos. And Apollos is a Jew who's on the other side of the Christian argument. And um, the scripture says that he's eloquent, that he's smart, that he's good with words, that he's intellectual. And yet he becomes convinced that Jesus is actually the Messiah. He's the only way to heaven, the only way for his sins to be forgiven. He is the promised anointed one of God. And so he flip-flops, he gets on the other side and he begins to boldly preach to the Jews about Jesus. And he's bold and he's eloquent and he's up there. He's saying some stuff, y'all, but he's saying some stuff that's wrong too, okay? And so there are these sisters in the faith, Priscilla and Aquila, they come and they confront him and they go, I love the boldness, I love the passion, but you got some theology out of place. And so they pull Apollos aside, they correct him, and then he goes and begins to preach even more boldly in the truth. So this is what that means. We should be bold about our convictions. We should be bold about the truth. Yes, we should also be bold when we get it wrong. We should be bold in humility. We should be bold about the fact, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't have that figured out yet. Yeah, you're right, my tone was probably wrong. I probably came across a little harsh. Oh, you're right, the Bible actually does say that. I don't know how to sort that out quite yet. We should be equally as bold to receive correction as we are to declare truth. I think that's one of the missing ingredients in the boldness that I wanna see in Jesus, people. It's like, yeah, I know the truth, but I'm not the truth. And yeah, he's perfect, but I'm not. And I want to hold fast to my convictions, yes, but I don't want to be so arrogant and fat-headed and secure that I can't act like I've got stuff to sort out too. Be as bold about correction and humility as you are speaking the truth. Acts chapter 19 verse 8 says this, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. I love this text, okay? And I love this text because I love to debate, okay? Like if anybody wants to just have a good old fashioned, like if we can just check our feelings at the door, like just promise I'm not gonna hurt your feelings. I'm not gonna hurt your feelings. We'll still be friends after this. Can you pinky promise that we'll be friends after this debate, okay? If so, let's debate. I love it, all right? I'm all about it. I'm in for it. And so there's this idea of like reasoning and persuading. And I could go into great detail today about my legitimate desire that there, or, or legitimate belief that there needs to be Christian debate and discourse today. And sometimes we're so concerned with being nice that we never really like wrestle with truth. And I think that that's needed today. I don't have time to talk about like it in detail. And so um, like, I wish I could take a deep dive into that, but a great book, if you're interested in it, to like really understand like the intellectual side of Christianity. Because one of the things that's happening is in our modern world, we act like we're just so much more enlightened than the people who wrote the scriptures. And now that we've got like the scientific method and the microscope and Twitter that like we have the world figured out. And um, like, if you wanna follow Jesus, you've gotta check your brain at the door. 
that if you want to follow Jesus, you just got to blindly follow, and it's not like really for intellectuals anymore or academics, that this is just all about feelings and emotions. There's that like idea out there. And if you've ever thought about that, wrestle with that, know someone who thinks like that, a great book that I would encourage you to read is um, it's by Frank Turek, and it's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And it talks about this idea that we uh, have to have faith in anything that we believe because we don't know everything about anything. And so you're going to choose to have faith to be an atheist or choose to have faith to not be an atheist, but either way, it's gonna take faith. And the claims of Christianity, the evidence that's there stacks up to produce boldness in the life of a believer because we've got more truth than we've got questions. And so I don't have enough faith to be an atheist by Frank Turk. Check it out. It is a great, great resource. Acts chapter 26, verse 26 says this, for the king knows about these things and to him I speak boldly. For I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. I love that. For this has not been done in a corner. People can't turn a blind eye to boldness. Boldness is what puts Christianity on the map. Boldness makes people take notice. Boldness puts the story on the center stage. Boldness takes Christianity out of the corner. I want for you to know that the promised land, don't miss this today, of American Christianity being the prominent way of thinking in America, that ideal is going into exile. Whether you like it or not, the, the, the idea that Christian thought and that Christian belief and that Christian way of life, that, the idea of that being primary in, in, in our land, primary in our country, that is a distant thought. What has happened is what the book of Romans says, that people have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And I want for you to know that that was not brought on by the pandemic. The pandemic did not do it. The pandemic just accelerated it. It accelerated what was already happening. And what needs to happen is that there needs to be people who step up, Christians who step up and who believe that the only way that we will see a bold future is by taking bold steps and preaching bold messages. Otherwise, we will inevitably close our doors. There can't be this belief that everyone's just going to continue to think this way and believe this way and that we are somehow always going to be in the majority. The days of that are gone. And if something is going to change in our country, it's going to require bold churches stepping up to the plate and doing something different. Not staying the same, not preaching the same, not living the same, not programming the same, not discipling the same, not educating the same, not speaking to the issues the same. A scared world needs a fearless church, needs a bold church that will light the way and lead the way forward. Acts chapter 28, verse 30. It's how the book of Acts ends. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's the way that the book of Acts ends with the apostle Paul in Rome. And he can't be stopped from boldly talking about Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today, that the way that the book of Acts ends is the only way that the church is going to move forward in boldness. The same thing that happened back then that caused Christianity to grow from this small on the outskirts movement 
to the global force that it is today, to the largest religion in our world is through boldness. It's not going to be through passivity. It's not going to be through silence. It's not going to be through niceness. It's not going to be through political correctness. It's going to be through boldness. So I just got to ask today, where have all the bold people gone? Where have all the bold people gone? This is the part I'm pretty convinced I'll get some emails about. But I think it's really important for the day and age that we live in. Way too many Christians I talk to are being intimidated and silenced by society. They're being bullied by culture. They're being pushed into their corners. And listen, I really believe that to a certain degree that it's happening out of a legitimate desire to be loving. I do. I think that there's pure motives involved. We want to be loving and we want to be kind and we want to be tolerant and we don't want to hurt feelings and we don't want to risk relationships. It's legitimate, isn't it? It's the reason that sometimes that we're not bold, that we don't speak up, that we don't speak truth, that we don't invite others to come and see, that we don't declare the gospel. Sometimes it's for legitimate reasons. We want to extend grace. But we have to know today that we cheapen grace when we neglect the truth that must be attached to it. We water the gospel down. We empty, of it, empty it of its power when we neglect the truth that's attached to it. Like there is this culture in our world. Let's just be honest. It's out there. You feel it. You sense it. You see it. You read about it in the news. You see it on your social media feed. You talk to your neighbors about it and your friends about it and your family about it. There is this division within culture. There is this confusion in our world. Right now, it feels like this dark cloud is descending over our land, over America. Feels like things are changing, like the tectonic plates of value and of culture and of belief are shifting, like truth is eroding and opinion is being elevated. The world we feel, live in right now feels like a traffic jam of clashing opinions. Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got their truth. Everyone has their perspective. Everyone has their lived experience. And the world that we live in today, I'm just telling you, desperately needs truth. They need the truth that we have. They need the person we know. Church, there are some grave questions that our world is facing today. Important questions, questions of life and death, questions that will shape our future, questions that how we answer will determine how our kids live. And I, I believe it's time for Christians to stop taking the silent path in the name of niceness. I believe that Jesus' people need to speak up and speak again and enter the public square and post on social and sign petitions and be engaged. I believe that. I really, really do. I believe that the world that we live in, I believe that culture is trying to pull a veil over our face. I believe that Satan is a liar and he's good at it. That he dresses up the kingdom of darkness in niceties and pleasantries and political correctness. It sounds like, can't we just all get along? But what it actually is, is can't we all just be carried away into a myth? It sounds like equality. But it might really be 
oppression. It sounds like love, but right, it might really just be lust. Be kind. Speak the truth in love. Season your speech with salt. Make the gospel attractive. Those are all biblical truths, but they do not absolve us from boldly contending for the truth in love. There are some Christians who need to speak. I believe that we need a church that will boldly blaze new trails, that will raise their voice, that will speak into the silence, that will speak for the voiceless and for the unborn and for the poor and for justice and for life. But at the same time, we have to remember that as Jesus people, our mission in this world is not about a stance, it's about a message. And that message is the gospel and it's about a person and his name is Jesus. We cannot allow the tension of trivialities to keep our message from getting out into the world. There are radically important things in the world that need to be spoken about right now, about marriage and justice and life and abortion and adolescence and education, and the list could go on and on. But the most radical, controversial, bold claim is that Jesus is king and all others need to bow down. That Washington is not king. That public opinion is not king. That Instagram needs to bow that the Supreme Court doesn't have the final say, that Jesus is king. There's no bolder claim than a Jewish carpenter coming as a man, dying in humility and obscurity, being misunderstood and dying on a cross so that you and I could be life. There's no bolder claim that men and women everywhere must repent, turn from their sin and pledge their allegiance to Jesus. That's the boldest claim. The boldest claim is that you're dead in your sin but can be made alive in Christ. The boldest claim is that a new kingdom has come. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's time for it to invade earth. Where would we be without boldness? Where would we be without boldness? I just think about it throughout history. If MLK didn't boldly stand up and say, you know what, I have a dream if Rosa Parks didn't boldly refuse to get out of her seat, if Martin Luther didn't boldly nail 95 theses to the castle church at Wittenberg and go, we've gotten off course. If Jesus didn't boldly leave heaven, come to earth, be willing to be misunderstood, die on a Roman cross so we could be set free from our sin, where would we be without boldness? Where would we be? I believe that it's time for Jesus' people to begin to bleed boldness, to not play it safe, to allow their voice to be heard and not to allow the voice of man to trump the voice of God. There's revival that is needed in our land, church. There's a message that has to get out. There are people who need the gospel. There is a generation that is starving for truth. There are people who are living in lies. There are people who are trapped in bondage and slavery. And we are the people who have to tell them that it's Jesus, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the life. How do we do it? 
I think the first thing that we do is we start to pray every day and say, God, make me bold. God, give me boldness. Spirit, come in. We've got to pray for boldness. We've got to start asking ourselves and each other, was I bold today? Did I do anything that will make sense in light of eternity today? Did I speak up or was I pushed into silence? Did I stand for truth or did I cave under the pressure of culture? We gotta start asking each other. We gotta start praying and asking God for boldness. So long as Jesus lets me be the pastor here, I promise you that we will preach bold messages that are saturated in scripture, that challenge culture and that elevate Jesus. And I'm just asking you, will you promise to live bold lives? Will you promise to speak bold truth? Will you promise to take bold steps and dream bold dreams and post bold posts and welcome bold challenge, ask bold questions and boldly invite others to come and see? Will we be a bold church? You see, fearful people live like Jesus is dead. Bold people live like Jesus is alive. And we've got a risen king. I wanna close today by giving you a declaration and we're gonna send this out throughout this week. We'll email it out and put it on social and something I just want our church to start reading over ourselves every morning. It's a declaration of who I am, who I'm becoming and the boldness I wanna walk in. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I won't look back or let up or slow down or back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living. I'm done with sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams and tamed visions. I'm done with mundane talking, cheap living and dwarfed goals. I no longer need prominence, prosperity, position, promotions or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or on top. I don't have to be praised or regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on his presence, walk by his patience, live by prayer and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is cast. I won't be lured away or turned back. I won't be deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of adversity. I won't negotiate at the table of the enemy or ponder at the pool of popularity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, laid up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a follower of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes, he will have no problem recognizing me, for I bleed boldness. Let's pray, church. God, I pray that on a day like today, that you would waken something within us that can only happen by the power of your spirit. God, I pray that you would challenge all of our paradigms and all of our patterns and all of the ways that we are living. God, I pray that you would make us the kind of church that does not go quietly into the night. 
Jesus, you have given us life and hope and breath and joy in eternity. Don't let us take it for granted. Don't let us hide our light under a basket. Don't let us get off of the hill. But let us boldly declare that Jesus has won, that his kingdom has come, and that salvation is available for all who believe. Jesus, I pray that fear would subside. I pray that faith would grow. I pray that you'd make us people who truly and really bleed boldness. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.